Welcome back to On the Horizon, podcast hosted by Jesse Sage and Melrose Michaels. First, thank you so much for becoming a premium subscriber and supporting our podcast. This is going to get you exclusive unheard and unseen footage from each interview we had. So first, let's dive in with Carol Lee. So a lot of my friends, they want to make a lot of money, you know, and they made money. Yeah. And during those first years, when I was first building my business, I didn't know sex workers on the street very well. It wasn't until I started working and trying to meet women on the street through access. Mm-hmm. You know, right now, I think it's important to know that it's problematic to divide people who work on the street and people who don't. That yeah. you, know, you work on the street, you can work in a million different ways. You might work indoors here and an escort there and a stripper yeah. that day. And so there's the whole way that we classify street-based workers is very problematic. And, you know, I don't want to make that mistake. Right. I think that was sex work in general, that we have this, you know, what we call like the hierarchy and there's that always seems so problematic to me because people are doing all sorts of things and moving in and out out of different types of labor and not everybody for like discloses everything that they do and And now a lot of sex workers are doing many things at once they're juggling different kinds of labor so yeah yeah we didn't used to i think in the movement or in the media it wasn't presented that way you think that in other days but even anyway they couldn't seem to get two ideas at the same time either they were portraying a prostitute as object uh, object or they were uh, they would reproduce these uh fantasies about this glamorous sex worker and i you know uh or prostitute i mean they mostly were called prostitutes in those days so yeah, it was uh, it was a difficult time. And for me, I just wanted to get away. I wanted to be able to find new clients. I did want to keep working. I yeah. felt like it was important for me to work. I don't know. I just didn't want to stop. I didn't really have resources. I, yeah. I grew up pretty poor. And then I did, disentangled myself from my parents. So I couldn't really get help from anybody. Yeah. I had a few different things going on, though. I was very resourceful. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like most sex workers, yes. they have to be. Yeah. It's good. Well, I think that there is, like, something about, like, being a sex worker and doing this sort of work that gives you insight into people that you don't get other places. Absolutely. Yeah, we have yeah. wisdom, that special whore wisdom, the horse. Yeah. Right? <laughs> there is, I know. I can no, I mean, I, I feel like right. as, as a whore, like people tell men and like lots of people actually tell me things that they do not tell other people, including yeah. their spouses. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yeah. We need credit as that. Somebody asked me the other day, somebody was like, oh, I think we have, you know, a kind of potential client who he was like, I think we have a few mutual friends. So that might be weird. And I was like, weird for who? I hold everybody's secrets. (laughs) Not weird for me. (laughs) I I know so many secrets. I don't even remember that. (laughs) I like that. I know. We're good with that. She knows that. I couldn't remember the story. That's funny. (laughs) 
I love that. I love that. I remember Margot St. James, like she she had just the cover of Coyote. It was a kiss and tell campaign. Have you ever seen that? No. I guess sex workers uh, have a lot have a lot of ideas that are a bit scandalous. So I mean, one of the ideas <laughs> is that you're not supposed to tell, mm-hmm. and you know, so we're good at keeping secrets. Yeah, it's, it is true. But then some sex worker says, "Let's have a kiss and tell campaign." Everybody goes, "Oh, we can't do that." Oh, then the other one's like, "Oh, I love that." Then, <laughs> I do love that. Not like know, telling all the secrets, but like. If we can continue the conversation around sex work, it would help normalize the, yeah. the labor. So if we can tell, let's tell. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm so into that. Well, you know, the only way I can manage through life is to feel that life contains contradictions. Yeah. And I really talk just so hard. I just I do embrace the contradictions. So if we are so good at keeping secrets and that is a very important service and skill that we offer. Yes, but if there's a power there that sometimes we need to use, yes. Yes, agreed. <laughs> agreed. Yeah. My, my friend once said, you know, she thinks that you have to have a big background in Marxism in school to understand those discussions. And I thought, I wondered, because I was like, I don't understand this discussion exactly. <laughs> sex work and anti-work. And there was a yeah. panel with hack. Hacking, hustling, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so I mean, there was some suggestion that the term "sex work" implies that work is good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, well, um, yeah. I mean, I think that that's the discussion that's happening right now, and it's very, it's very interesting. Or that we're somehow like part of the, we're trying to make sex work part of the capitalist machine or something like that, and define it as work, but. I think that it it depends on how we're like talking about these things, because I think that this like move is, well, a lot of people are in sex work because like conventional employment doesn't work for them for whatever reason, because they have disabilities, because they have caretaking responsibilities uh, for any number of like reasons, because their uh, health, whatever, yeah, Yeah. whatever, whatever's going on with them. And so then like, we could pick up and look at sex work as like something that is um, an alternative to work, but that doesn't mean that it's not labor. It It means that like, and I think this is maybe where we need to like split this apart is like, we're not saying that you're not putting work into it. We're saying that like when we have in our culture, this idea of work, uh, what work is, what constitutes work, the social norm of a nine to five. Yeah. We're pushing back against that, but it's really interesting. This is a conversation we were having earlier today. There's a whole reframing, particularly in this COVID world of like work in general, in general. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, wait, are you guys academics too? I mean, it's I have a academia. I'm a college dropout. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing. So you can it's like, I said, because you were explaining that to me, and I didn't really get all. I, Scholar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, 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 I would take me a few hours to really get this. <laughs> Pretty good one. It's pretty interesting stuff. It's but, very interesting. Yeah. But uh, it's a, there's a kind of with that whole presumption of being anti prostitution. 
maybe as a basis for developing these theories. That's what I, I'm always suspect of that. Mm, that's fair. Is, it, is that, that right? That within kinds of um, schools of thought, like maybe, I don't know what kind of socialist I'm talking about, but within some left yeah, or Marxist stores of thought. Yeah, there's such a history of being anti-prostitution, and sometimes I feel like some of those explorations might be lead, uh, trying to lead towards some of the old arguments that yeah. dis- discount sex workers' life. I don't know. Yeah, yeah we're going to do an episode later, um, five or six episodes down the line, where we're talking about how leftists have like taken up this argument of like um, after the revolution, which <laughs> revolution. I actually think is going to come, but like after the revolution, there's not going to be any sex work. You know, that's like coming out of these. Yeah, like, exactly. Thank you. And like. What? Like the oldest <laughs> profession is out of work? Like, <laughs> I mean, prostitution predates capitalism. It's not a capitalist invention. So <laughs> I think that, you know, a lot of those discussions seem to me to be very uh, misguided yeah. to not understand what's actually happening in sex work, to think that poof, it's going to be gone as if the government's going to supply people with their sexual needs or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that vision looks like. <laughs> Next, let's take a look behind the scenes when we spoke to Caitlin Bailey. I, I told this story on Twitter because I, it was, but it's so emblematic of what you're talking about. So I was in New York. I saw you there a while ago, uh, last month, and I'm checking out of my hotel and I go to get my car that's parked in the parking garage and I have cash and I am trying to pay for my car with cash. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we don't take cash. And I was like, you don't take money? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> and then they're like, oh, you need to pay the parking fee with a card. And I was like, that's stupid. But like, okay, here's my card. And then yeah. the guy who was there made a joke because this is how entrenched this is. He's like, how will your husband know where you were if you pay? Uh-huh. It's so telling. Uh-huh. That's so telling. <laughs> That's crazy. It is so telling. And given the like epidemic of domestic violence that has yeah, haunted yeah. us as a society for, I don't know, let's cat hundred thousand of the whole time. Who knows? But, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it, it, yeah, there are reasons for people that are not engaged in a criminalized activity to want to maintain anonymity, yeah. you know, anonymity. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so, you know, sex workers really are the canaries in the coal mine here when it comes to stripping us of of some pretty basic liberties. And I think what's happening on the Internet is like a really good, timely example of this Mm -hmm. pattern we see throughout history. And I, I really do feel like if more people understood, especially if more feminists understood right the ramifications of aggressively criminalizing prostitution and the impacts that that has Mm -hmm. for women and queer people and gender non-conforming people to participate in public life right this goes back to the comstock laws of the 1860s which equated information about birth control with obscenity and if you don't think that politicians out there that are out there today Right. That think that, like, for example, including the clitoris in a biology book is the same. Right. As child sexual exploitation or like whatever they're calling it to justify this erasure. Like that's this is part of the same song. Right. New technology. Same tune. Yeah. There's there's like a huge. uh equation going on right now of like we can't tell any like or yeah um 
step back for a second. Yeah, I was thinking about um, exactly what you're saying when you're seeing people claim that like viewing pornography is child abuse, like kids viewing pornography is child abuse. And you're like, wait, what? What? Like, before the internet existed, kids are going through their magazines magazines in the basement. Guys, we haven't gotten a good handle on the actual child rape that's happening. Let's not just start expanding the definition outward. We're (laughs) never... We're never going to be able. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Agreed. it's just outrageous, though, to be, yeah, that, that all of that is. What factors do you think contribute to the cultural attitudes towards sex workers? I think that, like, scared people are scary, right? Which is something, you know, you learn in, in recovery that I think is true of people and also communities. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think that we are living through a politically, financially, environmentally tumultuous time. You and really so want to look good, like the outlook? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm, yeah. Um, what I will say is, a little. I mean, sex workers are getting quoted more in the press, right? Yeah, like, that's that's something. Uh, we, we are starting to come. I think that the movement is maturing. You know, like yeah. this was, uh, you know, the first protest, of course, was in, in 1917. Um, but the first sex worker rights led organization was founded in 1975, right? Along with, you know, a lot of other um, advocacy groups, you know, like the, the 1970s were wild. Uh, so were the <laughs> 1870s, something about the 70s, you know? And, and so we're in the 20s, um, which, you know, just like the last go around, it's uh, real racist, but there are, um, I think, voices of, of dissent. You know, you are starting the, the technological innovations of the last decades have allowed sex workers to connect with each other and find one another and come to the radical conclusion that none of us have ever been alone. Yeah. And that is very powerful. And I think that there is um, a lot of power in changing the story. And I think that there are a lot of storytellers who yeah. are opposed to change the narrative in their own families and their own communities um, and and hopefully society at large. This was mm-hmm. the real victory, I think, of the LGBTQ uh, movement, right? Yeah. The people are no longer living where they can suffer under the delusion that they don't know anyone who is gay, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. the same is obviously and has always been obviously true of sex work, but the yeah. shame and stigma um, has allowed people to believe that this is something that, you know, dirty immigrant witches do, or like, you know, insert yeah. the dominant narrative here. Like whoever right. we're after, you know, is, is yeah. who is, is doing this disgusting, unfathomable work that is older than money. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A song that Seattle came out with. Amazing. Oh my God. It's so good. Yeah. Audra Boo, very talented musician. You can find this on Spotify. It's called been around since the old days. And it was penned really like as an anthem to this like multi-generational mm-hmm. struggle against whorephobia. And it's specifically an homage to uh, Lou Graham, who was like a very famous brothel owner in Seattle, actually funded uh, the Seattle school system. Like, like so much of our country, uh, mm-hmm. it was literally built by old pros. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, a little horphobia get in the way of getting shit done. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Last but not least, let's take a look at the exclusive from our interview with Femi Babylon. I think like I don't know, I was much younger than I am now when I first started like really using Twitter. 
Um, well, I was mm-hmm. too much. I was like, I was like 25, 26. <laughs> but I'm, I'm 31 now. Um, yeah, and it feels different. So, yeah, it was a, it was like five or six years ago when I really first started like really using Twitter. I had the account for longer than that, but those were the dark days when I hashtagged a lot of stuff in my tweets. So <laughs> we've all been there. Like just weird things like I was like going to go get Domino's hashtag Pepsi. Like just like uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> terrible things. So like I had like a before I like started being treated for anxiety and like ADHD and depression and stuff, I had like had like this like really bad habit of oversharing. And I guess like <laughs> like like other people have that problem too. And so, like, yeah. I, was, I, shared, I shared a lot of things about, like, my personal life and the things that I was going through. And I guess, like, certain things, like, people are, like, really, really ashamed of, like, sharing online, like, when it comes to poverty mm-hmm. and stuff and parenting. Right. And I shared some of those things, not because, like, I, like, I wanted to, like, gather an audience based off, like, trauma or whatever, but just because that's what I was going through. And I'm like, if you like people who have followed me since like 2016, 2017, they probably Mm -hmm. have noticed that I don't share as much about my personal life anymore. Like in the past, in the past couple of years, I've put a stop to that. (laughs) Like, because, well, one, one reason is because I'm on medication, but even before that, I had stopped (laughs) sharing about my life because people were like, doing weird things like looking up my partner's BAH when he was in school getting the GI Bill or like putting my whole legal name online or um, that one lady who made a podcast about me in 2018 for whatever like a whole podcast telling people where I lived and what my name was and what the and like about the whole stroll which is why I scaled it back and it was horrible terrible thing like and like um I just got that thread deleted about me that um, that user. Um, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I, I don't remember their handle right now, but um, they had. Um, <laughs> it's like I have like for some reason, too, I have like a lot of people who hate me who are like between the ages of 16 and 25. Very strange. Mm. Very strange. Because yeah. like to my knowledge, so I don't interact. Very, with very. Like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like the, I feel like the very, very young people who are very active on social media are also very like rigid in their beliefs. Cause when you're young, you're more rigid in your beliefs. And like, I think. Oh it's man, like, that's so true. When I was young, I was yeah. very anti-porn. I thought porn was cheating on me <laughs> as a 17 year old high schooler. And like marijuana should never be legalized. I smoke every day. Like, yeah, there's evolving to do at that age for sure. Your frontal yeah. lobe is not there. <laughs> not there yeah it's just more rigid i find and so like there's more um they're more like fond of attacking people without even like paying attention to what they're actually saying i think like that's what i i feel also they finally haven't had the experience to realize how gray most areas are it's very black and white still yeah yeah i don't know it's we i guess it's weird to me because i've never been in that space like yeah, I've been right. weird. I've been weird since I was like a kid, and yeah. like <laughs> like I just assumed that everybody was like on a continuum of like weird 
to not read. Right, right. <laughs> like, you know, and like that, yeah. I was like kind of far on the on the weird side, but like, <laughs> like I just assumed the level of flexibility. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I always thought that as you got older, you got more rigid, and like that hasn't like been the case for like most of the people that I've known. They were like, "Yeah, I used to be a Republican," and I was like what <laughs> like it'll, it's not white people it's just like it's like 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 people that like in my neighborhood or people like on black twitter would be like yeah i used to be a super conservative and like you know it'll be like yeah. like my gay black friend is like what why why were you a conservative like <laughs> i can't even picture it like i can't i can't picture it i'm squinting and i'm trying but i can't yeah. Yeah, I actually really appreciate that about your, like, web presence is that you're, like, one of the few people who are really willing to be, like, yeah, I put a lot of, like, thought into this, but now, I don't know, I was probably wrong about that, and now, like, my opinions have evolved and I've changed, and I think that... That's um, needed. That's more of that is needed. I think more of that is needed, too, because I think a lot of people are afraid to do that or afraid to contradict themselves, and... We need to contradict ourselves as we, like, learn and grow. Well, also, our digital culture doesn't really allow for that. Like, if you said something in 2010 on Twitter, you must feel that way now, 10 years later. That's not fair to humanity. Right. So when you say that you, like, hold sex work at, or or the way that we think about sex work or something at a distance, like, what do you think that you can see when you hold it at a distance that maybe you can't when you don't do that? I think for me, I'm just, like throw out another random word that a lot of people don't know exists, but James, it's from, of all places, it's from James Joyce. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely said it on some James Joyce, like last year, something like that. But, but he plays with language in a way that's really fun to me, like E. Cummings or something. So I have my favorite white guys, you know? (laughs) And so, (laughs) so like, um, Pornosophical. Pornosophical. Like yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a oh, joyism. Wow. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Take it and sprinkle it upon the world because it was, I was mind boggling. I saw that shit and I was like, mine, I'm using it. Thank you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm about to get real pornosophical. But yeah. basically, like, holding it, holding, holding the theory and all of these things at a distance, it's just like, I'm reading this book right now, and it's about like the invention of women by this um, like um, Yoruba woman, Yoruba academic scholar or whatever. And she talks about how like every time we write about something from a gendered perspective, when we write about that perspective, we are writing gender into existence. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 So I was like, wow. Like I was hired something like this shit deep. So, wow, like I, like I just thought about that today. I literally just read that yesterday and my mind is still blown. So I guess for me, I brought that up because every time, and this is why I've been trying not to use this term, even though like I love Carolee and I love her work and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just like. Every time I say sex work, I just wince a little bit because I'm like, I never called it that before I got online and got into these spaces. Like, that's yeah. not something that I ever said. It's not something that anybody around me ever said. And yeah. yet 
I'm expected now to carry this language that I didn't choose to speak everywhere I go Mm -hmm. and in every interaction and in everything that I write to the point where if I don't, I'm afraid sometimes that if I don't use the term sex work, no one will know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, it's it decided, so incorporated. Yeah, like it was decided for me that this is the language that we speak, and this is, and you know, you can see like with you know, like race and gender histories, how that you know repeatedly plays out in my life. That yeah. this is the language that I have to speak, and I have no access to any other sort of language, or I have to code switch when I go into this space. And yeah. so for me, it's just like you know, the terminology that's used sometimes especially when I didn't collect it myself, like I do when I read, mm-hmm. it's just kind of like an imposition. Like like everybody says that sex work is this, and this is how we say this, and now I have to say this like this. And I know that like people yeah. kind of like feel like it's childish or it's irritating to change language or whatever. But like I spoke to somebody that um, that like lived in, on the other hem- in the other hemisphere. A black person who lived like in France or like in Morocco or something like that, they spoke some kind of French. I don't know, but it was in the other hemisphere, okay? <laughs> and they were like fighting for the term sex work. Like, why? Like, like it was just so irritating how like colonization and English and like these ways of thinking are constantly infiltrating my life. And it just makes me so frustrated sometimes and like because when I started questioning even when I just questioned and even when I just asked a question you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. people are like I don't even know why you would ask that you're erasing the work of all these like and then they have listed all their token people of color friends and 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 actors yeah. and stuff and I'm like I just asked a question like that did that happened when, when I questioned yeah. decredit that happened when yeah. I questioned like, uh, like every time I question something that is like set in stone in, in Western lore and stuff, yeah. somebody mm-hmm. comes out the woodwork to like be like, I don't even know why you would do that. Or like, like that one, that, there was one lady that um, said that, told somebody that I was like, I support child porn because I said that we should listen to youth about their experience in the sex trade. Right. Wow. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's a, yeah. you know I was actually that's interesting when we talk about language because I was actually ironic or coincidentally watching something on YouTube last night when I was kind of smoking and falling asleep um, <laughs> where I was talking about how language evolves in a space like so much to a point where a collective agrees upon a term and then it gets adapted and then that becomes language whether yeah. it once enough people kind of pass a tipping point it becomes what the the norm yeah. is but. I, I think it's important to challenge these things. I think we should yeah. we should be okay with it. We should engage with it because it it moves the conversation. I do wonder though, from your perspective, do you think that the term in sex work, as Carol Lee coined it, or coined it, it yeah, was it useful and val- of value at that time to to further prog- progress? I guess at that point yeah. in time, do you think that it, it ever brought value in that sense? I think that, like, because, like, the story is that, like, she saw sex use, which I think is, like, what the fuck is that? So, like, I totally understand why, you know, like, she was like, no, we're not doing that sex work. (laughs) (laughs) And it was quick, and it's catchy, and it hits on something that people know. But I think the better, I don't know, I guess that's, for me, the better question, or the, you know, to further the question, you have to ask, 
like, I mean, like, you got to think about it like this. I mean, you don't have to, but this is how I think about it. You know, I'm black. <laughs> and my sister's like black as a kid and whatever. And every day I have to walk out of the house and be black, like every day. Yeah. And sometimes it's exhausting, but sometimes it's not. Um, it's always interesting. And like my experience in the world colors how I think yeah. and how I move throughout the world, you know? Mm-hmm. And when Carol Lee walked out of the house, probably, you know, like she was white and mm-hmm. she was a college student, you know, you can't see college, but you can hear it. Yeah. And, and so like, you know, all of those experiences, whether, you know, if she was a, you know, like starving artist, college student, you know, whatever, you know, and then a prostitute and then, you know, you know, wherever she moved in life, though, she was always having that experience through that lens. So, yeah. right. And so yeah. that term and the terminologies that we use, they aren't just it isn't just it isn't just as simple as like we adopted like a collective agree, but more or less that there is a dominant collective and the rest of us just kind of have to like go along with it. Yeah, and yeah. that's 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 my issue with it is that like, you know, like we clearly live in a, in a, in a racial patriarchy. You know, we have a hierarchy right. of people and one minute I was calling myself a hustler and a prostitute and a hoe. And the next minute I was being told that I can't say those things anymore or that we shouldn't say those things. Or when I write articles for like Vice or something, they change or they yeah. challenge when I write prostitute yeah. or when I write ho or something like because now everybody agreed. But did everybody agree though? Like right, I never, right. I never heard yeah. that term. So I got into certain. Yeah, like, and that was that was my question to people. People were upset about it, and it wasn't just white people either. Like people were just like, "Why are you rocking the boat?" Like, and like, yeah. Like, I was just like asking the question, like, like I just said, but <laughs> like, right? Like, who is everybody, and who agreed to this? Because I didn't. Right. I just kind of latched onto it because, like, it seemed like if I didn't use this terminology, that no one would understand what I was talking about, or no one would like engage with me. And that is like mm-hmm. oppressive, like, like, and that's just like, and that's not yeah. like what's. I said with sex work language and everything it's that's just like a microcosm of like a larger global problem and you know we're talking about like yeah. you know, global dominance and things like that like it's just a small section it's just an example or a smaller smaller like mirror to like what it is to be non non-white in society and like to have these languages kind of thrust upon you and to have like your own subculture your like everything is sub for me like my subculture, mm-hmm. my sub language, like subhuman, sub thoughts, like everything is like sub underneath something else that's obviously better or obviously like we all decided yeah. this, you know? Yeah, right. And it's, yeah. So, it's so, I don't want to say weird because that's not what I'm thinking, but like it's just like, like productive. It's depressing, I think. <laughs> like I try not to think about it too often unless I'm like writing and working because. It makes my head hurt like but it also makes me really sad because it's like there are like so many things that i love about like my culture you know regionally and 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 otherwise and whatever there's so many like the music and the sounds and all those things and there's things that i don't really like 
yeah. that I tolerate, you know? But yeah. all together, it's like when you have peas and tuna casserole, like, like ew, gross. But, you know, once you pick out the peas, it's, like, really good. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we hope you enjoyed the bonus footage from this episode of On the Horizon. Tune in next time for more.